Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. Watch. Chop. Retrofit. You are about one hour and 20 minutes post-boost. Yes. You got your booster seat today. I got my COVID booster. Your rocket boosters. That's also what I call it after I eat a mean bowl of chili. <laughs> but this is not a flatulence podcast. Welcome to season 10, episode 3 of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen. So why shouldn't movie buffs like us decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is Miss Trial Travis. Yes. AKA Sacco and Travenzetti. Travenzetti. Mm-hmm. AKA who framed Roger Travis? Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. I like that a lot. I uh, I just watched a, a couple of short documentaries about the making of Roger Rabbit. One from 88 and one from like 2003. And I'm joined here in the shop by my co-host and cellmate, co-producer, the Shawshank Redemption, a.k.a. Sean Her, a.k.a. the one-armed Sean. <laughs> Chop Shop regulator Chelsea could not be here. Uh, she is actually under a restraining order. She can't come within at least 12 feet of us. But her nicknames would have been If Chell Street Could Talk, a.k.a. Chelsea Dangerously, a.k.a. Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Chelsea. <laughs> Further description of the show, the tagline says, Watch Chop Retrofit, because essentially that's what we do here. We watch older movies, sometimes classic films with iconic actors, and then what do we do, Sean? We retrofit them. We retrofit those motherfuckers by tweaking them with new parts, a.k.a. actors who are at, at the, the height of, of their, their powers. powers. Whew. Quick disclaimer, though, you guys. We're not actually in favor of the remake, reboot, sequel-dependent cinematic culture. I demand a mistrial. This is a miscarriage of justice. This is actually more of an exercise in satire and irony. We try to be funny. And sometimes we succeed. And that brings us into our first segment for tonight, which is going to be movie news. And this is where we uh, try to gather all the evidence throughout the week for both the prosecution and defense of some <laughs> news stories that we thought that you, the chop choppers out there might find interesting. And unfortunately we do have to start it off with an RIP and that RIP is Jerry Douglas, Jerry Douglas, who was a longtime actor. He died at 88 and he was known for a uh, soap opera that I mentioned. Was it young and the restless? The young and the restless okay. is correct. Um, he played John Abbott on the young and the restless or Y and R, as us, yeah. as us soap boys call it, <laughs> on CBS uh, for more than thirty years. He uh, died on November 9th after a brief illness. His family announced Wednesday over the span of a decades-long career, appearing in more than one hundred productions. He appeared in numerous feature films, including Oliver Stone's JFK, but everybody was in JFK. <laughs> uh, Avalanche, The Godson, Head Over Spurs in Love and Mommy Dearest. And that comes to us from Deadline.com. Once again, rest in peace and rest in power to Jerry Douglas. Next, the rumors about who's going to make a cameo in the new Spider-Man are continuing to weave a tangled web. Because we've got a report out of uh, 
Denmark? Yeah. A Danish Spider-Man No Way Home synopsis appears to confirm... <laughs> People are digging deep here. Yeah. Uh, the reports that uh, multiple former Spider-Man actors are going to appear, and they've both denied it. Toby and Andrew Gar Garfield have both denied it. Um, but like I said on the way over or on, on the prep, uh, obvious plant. Yeah. They're just trying to get the buzz going. I bet they're loving it. They're sitting back. They're like, no, deny, deny, <laughs> deny. All right. So next up, uh, oh, so that comes to us from comicbookreview.com. And next up, Ed Westwick, Madalena Gina team up for a shark survival thriller called Deep Fear. The Caribbean set film is being directed by Marcus Adams and involves a heady mix of storms, drug traffickers, and tiger sharks. The tiger sharks are the drug traffickers, and they got to get through the well, storm. Well, that's a plot twist. It's called The Perfect Storm. <laughs> that comes to us from thehollywoodreporter.com. Next, uh, this one, you you got mad when I sent you this headline in the morning, <laughs> and you've told me before that you usually read my messages, my early morning messages, where? Well, I'm taking my morning poop. On, on your throne. Yes. At your throne of judgment. <laughs> and Mel Gibson is to direct Lethal Weapon 5. Didn't Always Sunny in Philadelphia already make this movie? <laughs> uh, that is from Variety. Uh, this one is this one's kind of delicious. I feel bad for him, though. We reported earlier that Quentin Tarantino was auctioning off some never-before-released re images and maybe even videos from Pulp Fiction. And he was doing it as NFTs. Right. Uh, and we're not going to go down the NFT rabbit hole right now. But Miramax had something to say about it. <laughs> if you heard about Quentin Tarantino selling Pulp Fiction scenes as NFTs and thought, how can he do that? Since the studio owns the movies, Miramax feels the same way. Now, to quote Marcellus Wallace, it's about to get medieval on his ass in court. <laughs> That's from SlashFilm.com. Uh, Tony Hawk, Doc, from director Sam Jones and the Duplass, Duplass brothers lands at HBO. Deadline announced a new HBO documentary on Tony Hawk from director Sam Jones, who did Roadies, Running With Our Eyes Closed, and others. And with Mark and Jay Duplass brothers producing. Mel Elson from The One I Love is also on board as an executive producer. Also from Slash Film. Uh, what do you think? Like a big Tony Hawk doc? Well, I hope that they you know, dig deep and show the dark rituals that he performs to maintain his agelessness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where he's like got pentagrams in pig's blood on, on the half pipe. And we've got one more. Uh, this is a doozy. And I feel like I've seen a movie about this before. Uh, Pam and Tommy trailer uh, just dropped a movie about their infamous sex tape and the casting is pretty top shelf yeah they got lily james and sebastian stan for this apparently the footage of lily james i've only seen still i've only seen that one still and uh, it's, it's, it's is just uh stunning nice. her transformation um and it's going to be on hulu sometime in the future how is he able to steer the boat I don't I don't even want to I'm guessing it's not going to show penetration if it's on Hulu um, <clears throat> that comes to us from IndieWire.com and that will wrap us up on movie news for this week do you guys hear a gavel 
That must mean it's time for the Department of Corrections Department with Chief Corrections Officer Dana. Officer Dana, 10-8. Here we go, Chop Shoppers. The sequel to The Last Picture Show is Texasville. Luke Kirby played Ted Bundy in No Man of God. Zac Efron played him in Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. Sean, they made a Hawaii Five-O TV movie that starred OG Five-O James MacArthur as the governor, along with Russell Long and Gary Busey. That's a 1024 on this edition of the DOCD. See you next time. All right. Thank you, Dana, for that. I think that it goes without saying that the corrections this week were better than any news I've heard, movie or otherwise, this week. All right. That's going to close the doors on the Department of Corrections Department for this week, bringing us to the theme of the episode. And for the uh, this theme, we're cracking open a beer, are we? Yeah. And what have we got, Sean? Well, this is uh, a new Keller Pills from uh, Resident Culture in Charlotte. It's called Song for Hard Times. A Song for Hard Times. You could make the, you could definitely make that an on-theme beer. Nobody knows. I think you're right. Yeah, doing the hard time. Tell me the style again. Keller Pills. Okay, Keller Pills. I was going to ask if it was a Hellas. Hellas, no. Uh, No, I like it. That's good. Um... So the theme of the episode is wrongfully accused movies. Yeah. Wrongfully accused movies. And I believe this was at your suggestion. It was. And it's like the almost antithesis of our topic from last week. Buddy Buddy Cops. Buddy Cops, yes. So I have a quote here from the late, great Douglas Adams. And this is the um, preface to an article on uh, tvtropes.org about the wrongfully accused or sometimes known as the uh, clear my name trope. So the quote from, it's from Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency and it's from Dirk Gently. Believe me, it is a great deal better to find cast iron proof that you're innocent than to languish in a cell hoping that the police who already think you are guilty will do it for you. Uh, which I think at least in part applies to this. The wrongfully accused trope or the clear my name trope is where the hero or heroes have been falsely accused of a crime they did not commit. That's established. We as the viewers know that they did not commit the crime, right? Yeah, it's a great device to get sympathy for Mm -hmm. the main character. Maybe they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time, in line at the bank when it got robbed, or riding in the same subway car as a murderer as a murder is committed and happens to look exactly like the one who did it. Maybe they are the ones who found the body and accidentally left their fingerprints on the murder weapon. Maybe the big bad, in quotes, has deliberately framed them to get out of the way. Roger Rabbit. (laughs) Um, Maybe it's a government conspiracy to silence them because they, quote, know too much. Uh, they might also involve an evil twin or some other type of imposter. (laughs) Speaking of soap operas. Whatever the root cause, the phony evidence is so convincing or the convergence of bad luck that makes them look guilty is so unlikely, our hero struggles to convince anyone they are innocent. I think it's a a great genre and a perfect, perfect uh, stomping ground for this uh, show for us to do some recaps. Yeah, it's so... 
it's it, you, you call it i mean it is a trope uh but it's a great plot device um and it covers so many genres mm-hmm. film noir courtroom dramas uh just prison movies prison movies yeah i mean there's just so much cool stuff that can be done with this because like I said, and you said, uh, you let the audience know that the guy's innocent mm-hmm. immediately you you feel for him or her and <clears throat> you're kind of captivated because you need to see what happens and how they get out of this situation or yeah. not. That being said, uh, we're going to go into our next segment, which is the midnight double feature, uh, which is where each of us on the panel, we talk about two films that we feel are within this genre and why they would make a good pairing for Maybe like a public viewing, a, a double feature of sorts. And Sean, what's your double feature going to be this week? I went with two um, black and white films from 1960 and 1962. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first isn't really wrongfully accused because the main character did knowingly do wrong. However, in the eyes of society today, he was wrongfully accused because the law was wrong. Mm-hmm. And that is Inherit the Wind. So I think that you could say that in this movie and the actual events it was based on, science was wrongfully accused. <laughs> right. Uh, this was directed by Stanley Kramer. It was a uh, screenplay by Nedrick Young. and Based Harold... on the infamous court case, Kramer versus Kramer. Exactly. Cosmo uh, Kramer. Harold Jacob Smith. It was based on the play by Jerome Lawrence and Robert E. Lee. Oh, that was his wow. real, that was his real early, name. That's an <laughs> early uh, credit. He had a career after the war. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, this is, of course, based on the famous so-called Scopes Monkey trial that uh-huh. happened in Tennessee where a teacher was accused of and convicted of teaching Darwinism in a state where it was against the law. Now, uh, while this was going on, Sean, do you remember, were the newspapers covering it? Yes, absolutely. The press was present. It drew national attention with the media. Uh, Writer E.K. Hornbeck, played by Gene Kelly, was the reporter. Did he dance? I don't think he danced. Um... And two of the nation's leading lawyers go head to head. You know who would have fucking danced? Sam Rockwell. Yeah, he would have. He would have. So anyway, I am pairing that with 1962's To Kill a Mockingbird. Very nice. And uh, this was written by, or directed by, rather, Robert Mulligan. Screenplay by Horton Foote, based on the Harper Lee novel. Mm -hmm. Uh, This stars uh, Mary Badham as Scout Finch. Yep. Age six. And her brother, Jim, played by Philip Alford. Did you name your dog after that character? No, I did not. Okay. <clears throat> but they live in Alabama, and uh, they spend their time with their friend Dill, played by John Magna, spying on the reclusive and mysterious neighbor, Boo Radley. Boo Radley. Played by Robert Duvall. And he was already old. Yeah, he was already <laughs> old then. And uh, their father, Atticus, played by Gregory Park. Yep. Uh their widowed father, uh, he was Very a res- tall. respected lawyer, defends a black man named Tom Robinson, played by Brock Peters, against fabricated rape charges. Mm-hmm. The trial and tangent events exposed the children to the evils of racism and stereotyping. Mm-hmm. And he was wrongfully accused. Absolutely, dude. That is a great pairing. Uh, I went with some that are a little bit more recent. They're both highly, highly rated. The first is the... Invisible Man from 2020, which uh, the the title is even ironic because our main character is not the Invisible Man, but his wife who is wrongfully accused of his murder after he fakes his own death. And um, it stars our girl from Handmaid's Tale, 
Handmaid's Tale. Elizabeth Moss. Here's the tagline. What you can't see can hurt you. <laughs> After staging his own suicide, a crazed scientist uses his power to become invisible to stalk and terrorize his ex-girlfriend. When the police refuse to believe her story, she decides to take matters into her own hands and fight back. I thought it was a great... Um, well, much in the way that yours were metaphors for headier topics, this was also a metaphor for um, escaping an abusive relationship. And uh, I thought it was great. It deserves the 92% that it has on Rotten Tomatoes. And it was or is part of that studio's attempt to bring back some of those old MonsterVerse characters. Oh, the universe, right? yeah. Universal stuff. Yeah. Universal monsters. All right, so I'm going to pair that with a... More recent one, 2021, I think. Uh, no, it has to be 20, 2020. Knives Out, directed by Ryan Johnson. We've got a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Here's your tagline. Hell, any of them could have done it. <laughs> and uh, so when renowned crime novelist Harlan Thromby is found dead at his estate just after his 85th birthday, the inquisitive and debonair detective Benoit Blanc is mysteriously enlisted to investigate. From Harlan's dysfunctional family to his devoted staff, Blanc shifts through a web of red herrings and self-serving lies to uncover the truth behind Harlan's untimely death. And so the um, Harlan Trombley is played by... Um, Daniel Craig. No, no, no. No, that, sorry. The, Daniel Craig plays Detective Blanc. Blanc, right. Um, it's, a, it's an elderly gentleman who may have just passed away it's not max van Seedow, but somebody you know um goodness gracious <laughs> anyway so he dies and they immediately accuse his uh live-in nurse who just happens to be played by anna de Armas. got that one yeah you got that, that one name. uh it's not peter <clears throat> o'toole <laughs> i really liked this one and i thought it was great that ryan johnson showed people that he could make an awesome movie that uh, was not a Star Wars movie. You know, like, mm -hmm. I can make this movie. But, yeah, that's my double feature. A couple of more recent... Oh, and this one is also is is more about the family dysfunction than and how people will go at each other's throat as soon as, as, soon as the uh, needle drops or as soon as the shoe drops, you know, the other shoe. So our next segment is going to be our feature segment, which is the recast. And this is where we take a predetermined film that we've both seen and we talk about it a little bit and how it applies to our theme of the week. And then we hypothetically recast a few of the main roles with contemporary actors. And Sean, do you have themes for us tonight? Um, no, I don't okay. have any themes. You, went du you doubled down I on doubled themes, down last, themes week. last week. No themes this my, week. I, I will have my usual uh, basic theme of face value <laughs> and essence. <laughs> essence the essence has to be there as well all right so the first film that we're going to be talking about is the sean shank redemption from 1994 directed by frank darashan <laughs> and written by steve sean king it's by it's based on a, a story by stephen king um it has a 91 percent on rotten tomatoes the director is frank darabont and your tagline fear can hold you prisoner Hope can set you free. <laughs> uh, Andy Dufresne, played by Tim Robbins, is sentenced and sentenced to two consecutive life terms in prison for the murder of his wife and her lover and is sentenced to a tough prison. 
However, only Andy knows he didn't commit the crime. While there, he forms a friendship with a man named Red, played by Morgan Freeman. And he experiences brutality of prison life, adapts, and helps the warden, etc., all in 19 years. I know a lot of people who consider this the best movie ever made, okay. their favorite film. I, I like it a lot. I, I like, don't know that I would call it I wouldn't. That. I would not go that far myself. I like it. It's a really, really good film. Uh, so we do have Tim Robbins, who was 36 at the time, playing Andy Dufresne. And he was an accountant in his previous life. Oh, yeah. Right? And so he uses that skill and his, uh, I don't know, I guess, like, intelligence and confidence to, quiet confidence to make a better world for himself while he's in there and appear to be content yeah. with his with his place and his lot in life. Yes. And then we've got Red, played by Morgan Freeman, who was already 57 in 1994. Man, him and, him and uh, Robert, Robert Duvall, Duvall are having an old off. <laughs> and I think that um, Robert Duvall is definitely winning, though. He's playing Red, and he is the... Um, he, he will openly admit that he did commit his crime. One of the best scenes is the umpteenth time that he comes up for his parole review. And he says, you know, I could tell you that I've been rehabilitated. I could tell you that I would not be a danger to society. He says, but honestly, and I'm paraphrasing here, he's like, there's no such thing as rehabilitation um and you're just gonna stamp that paper anyway so go ahead and do it i really don't give a damn and that time they let him out right yep then we've got the warden the evil warden who one of the ways that you know that uh andy dufresne is in prison for so long is because the warden's hairstyle changes <laughs> <laughs> he goes from like slick back to buzz cut flat top uh, but Bob Gunton also was an actor on one of the Star Trek series, maybe uh, Next Generation. I don't know. I can look it up. Something like that. Yeah, he was a real son of a bitch, this warden. Yep. Yep, he was. Ruled with an iron fist. Also was, I think his character is supposed to be very insecure. And that's why he's, that's why he demands obedience to the minutia. Kiss the ring. Right. Then we've got uh, Clancy Brown. Big old Clancy Brown as Captain Handley, who um, is the henchman of the warden, but at least at times uh, comes to see eye to eye with Andy on some things. Yeah, he's an interesting character because he's kind of brutish mm -hmm. for the most part, but he does come around in some places. And then we have uh, the OG librarian who carries a mouse around in his pocket, right? No, it's a crow. He has a crow, a pet crow. <laughs> uh, his name's Brooks, and he's got your books. <laughs> he's got his little cart of books. His name's Brooks. And he's got a, he's got a crow that he keeps. And the um, crux of the movie about how you don't necessarily get rehabilitated, you get institutionalized, is revealed when Brooks finally gets paroled. And the actor was 73 at the time. I don't know if the character was supposed to be older or not, but he can't handle it on the outside. He's been in nope. for so, so long. Uh, it doesn't work <clears throat> out for him. So what do you think? I think we're going to do this thing. All right. So we up first, we've got Andy Dufresne, and he 
is, as we said, wrongfully accused of the murder of his wife. We know that from the get-go. And he is he is somebody who can work things out if given a chance, but he requires the assistance of somebody who's very resourceful and knows his way around the ins and outs, like Red, who knows how to get things. He's a man who knows how to get things. All right, so who is your pick for Andy Dufresne? Um, so yeah, uh, Tim was 36. I'm with an actor who is going to be 39 years old soon. And you know, Tim Robbins, uh, part of the reason he gets by so well is he kind of has that sheepish kind of yeah. quality to him mm-hmm. that makes you, you know, he's very unassuming. And I'm with an actor who kind of affects that very well. Um, you might know him from Casanova, Stardust, The Theory of Everything. He'll be in the upcoming Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he which was one? The upcoming Spider-Man movie. No, which Spider-Man is he going to be? Oh, he's not one, not okay. any of them. Uh, he was in Daredevil. It's Charlie Cox. Charlie Cox. Okay, I don't, I don't know if I know him or not. You'll know him in Spider-Man. Okay. My pick, I've actually recast before, but I thought that he was pretty good for this. Um, he's 36 now as well. He was in, oh, the age thing factors in with my picks as well. Age, face value, and essence. <laughs> All right. So he's in Game Night, The Many Saints of Newark, and he shows up in No Time to Die. His name is Billy Magnuson. Yeah, Billy good. Magnuson. As my Andy Dufresne. Yep. He's a very talented fella. And next up, we've got Red. Um, so Morgan Freeman is an American actor. He's <laughs> You might yeah, have heard of him. Everybody knows who Morgan Freeman is. This is one of his um, classic performances. And who was your pick for this role, sir? I went with a 60-year-old actor. Um, he was in Battlefield Earth. Uh-uh. Ooh. He was in Black Panther. Yeah. He was in Lee Daniels, The Butler. Okay. But most would know him from... John Travolta? The Last King of Scotland. Oh, yeah. And with Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. He was in Star Wars Rogue One, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. Yes. As Saul Guerrera. All right. My red, my man who knows how to get things, is 56 now. He's in Space Jam 2, A New Legacy. No Sudden Move, which I did like. And probably best known for Hotel Rwanda, I went with Don Cheadle. Nice. And I got a picture of him wearing one of those. Wearing the hat. Wearing one of those hats. <laughs> Next up, we've got the warden, Bob Gunton. Uh, the actor was 49 at the time. Warden Norton, who was your pick for that, sir? I went with a 50-year-old actor who can do contemptible very well. Uh, he was in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Mm-hmm. He was in Predators. Hmm. He was in The Hateful Eight. He was in Justified. He's one of the show's favorites. I went with Walton Goggins. Walton Goggins. It was his birthday a week ago Wednesday. It sure was. And my pick for Warden Norton is 49 now as well. He was in Urban Legend, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Smallville. His name is Michael Rosenbaum. Michael Rosenbaum. Pretty sure he played Lex Luthor on Smallville. That guy. Yes. Okay. I can see him with the bald head. Yeah. By the way, Gunton was on uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. TNG. Yep. Nailed it. <clears throat> Stand down, Dana. Next, we've got Captain Handley, played by Clancy Brown. And Clancy Brown, speaking of Predator, wasn't he in the original Predator? 
I don't Quincy know. Brown. Was he? He's in some of those kinds of. Well, movies. he was in Highlander. Yeah, we know that he was the the big bad. Yeah, right? yeah. All right. So, and he's he's has a very um, he's a big dude. He's very intimidating. Mm-hmm. Wasn't he in Tombstone? He may have been with yeah. the Cowboys. So yeah, I told you earlier this week I really struggled with this pick because Clancy Brown is kind of one of those one of a kind type mm-hmm. actors. So I had to really expand my uh, <clears throat> my search to find somebody who could be a total shitbag kind of you know prison guard. Um, I was a fifty year old actor for this, and uh, you would know him from LA's Finest, uh, Stranger Things. Starship Troopers. Oh yeah, and the Frighteners. I'm with Jake Busey. Jake Busey. Okay, I can see that man. I can definitely see it. There's some sort of phenotypical connection there. Yeah, he has some essence. Yeah, Barry Pepper's in there somewhere too. <laughs> yeah, I did not go with Barry Pepper though. I went with a 35 year old actor who was in Suicide Squad, not the Suicide Squad. Just to make it clear, mm-hmm. he was in A Good Day to Die Hard. <laughs> uh, I Frankenstein and Terminator Genesis. His name is Jai Courtney. Oh yeah, he's in a movie recently where he plays a police officer. So that's where I got that sweet police officer pick. Good deal. And he definitely always looks angry. He does. Yeah, probably because he was in that bad Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah, he should be pissed. All right, we got one more. It's Brooks, and he's got his books. What are you going to put in this book? Sean? I like this pick. I went with a 74-year-old actor. Okay. You know, uh, Brooks was sweet. He was mm-hmm. very kind. and mm-hmm. Took care of that crow. Took care of that crow. So I went with an actor who is very sweet and kind in real life. Um, you would know him from films such as... You're going to have to bear with me here while no I problem. find something that's not a giveaway. Mm-hmm. He was in Lake Placid versus Anaconda. He was in... Wait, Lake Placid versus Anaconda? That sounds amazing. He was in Strippers versus Werewolves. So is is the lake itself going up against the Anaconda? You're thinking too hard, man. He was in A Good Day for It. It's just Oliver Platt. He was in all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I went with Robert England. Oh, okay. Lake Placid versus Anaconda sounds... Straight to video and straight to my heart. Yeah, Robert England's a sweet guy. Outstanding. Well, my pick is 73 now. He was in True Romance. He was in The Contender. And he was in Unforgiven. His name is Saul Rubinek. Saul Rubinek. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. He's right about the same age. He doesn't look quite as old as Brooks did at the time. Nobody does anymore. You know, that's you kind of have to shoot ahead five or ten years. You, you don't have to. It's allowed. <laughs> but you could. I mean, if you're looking for face value matchups. All right. So, I mean, what what more can we say about Shawshank that has not been said? Nothing. If you haven't seen it yet, go see it. It's if required you viewing. If you haven't seen it, go see it. I mean, we don't want to give away because there are, there are some cool reveals in this movie. And I think, yeah, just go watch it if you've never seen it. And what have you been doing with your life? And with that, we're going to head into intermission but not before we say let's all go to the showers <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some truth justice and redemption 
And for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Chop Shop Morning Zoo on WCCS 85.5 FM. The Shop with Travisito, the Brew Boss. And me, Chelsea, the Regulator. Well, we'll be breaking down the recast of your precious childhood movies. All, All morning, morning long. And if you can't listen on your toilet or in your car, just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Podbean.com. And it came to pass that the Lord Pod saith unto the chop shoppers to go forth, to rate, to review, and to subscribe to Cinema Chop Shop on all of your social media and your podcaster apps. Now it's about time for the holy sacrament of a beer check-in. You too can follow the path to Cinema Chop Shop on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. Everyone, hallelujah. hallelujah! Praise Jesus! Amen. Well, hello there, all you naughty chop shoppers. So, you like to listen? Oh, you're bad. Wouldn't you also love to see all of our hot pictures and posts on our very own social media? Just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you think you can handle it. This weekend on CCS Wrestling. Woo! If you miss this event, you suck. Woo! It'll be the ultimate recasting extravaganza you have ever seen. Between the challenger. Trontastic Ron. I'm going to rip his face off. Woo! And the defending champ. Little Thanos. You ain't got nothing, brother. I can't stop saying woo! It's an actual medical condition. So if you've got a problem with that, we'll see you in Gmail, where you can send us comments, corrections, concerns, and complaints. That's cinemajobshop at gmail.com. Do you need a used movie? Good credit, bad credit, no credit, no problem. Come on down to Wacky Trav's Cinema Chop Shop Blowout Sale. He's He's out out of of his mind. mind. Where we can guarantee you, you'll go home happy. Social security number, criminal background check, and blood sample required. Side effects may include euphoria, hallucinations, and delusions of grandeur. So please remember to watch Watch Chop Retrofit. All right, Chop Shopper. So uh, one, a couple of things that we figured out during the break, uh, and, and thank you for bearing with us during the break. One, it's Christopher Plummer, who was in <laughs> Knives Out. Also, the, the funny thing about Sean getting his booster shot today is I immediately punched him in that shoulder when I, when I came over. It was a friendly punch in the shoulder. Yeah, thanks for that. Did I miss the injection site? You, you didn't miss it. Good. <laughs> Missed any vital organs. All right, so when we come back from intermission, Sean, what do we like to do? Beer check-ins. And these will be checked in on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D, and we are Cinema Chop Shop on there. And what are we going for for the second one? Well, we're going to go with some beers from uh, New Anthem out of Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay. And this one has got a sweet-ass label. It's called Two-Tone. It's an India Pale Ale with Mosaic Simcoe. Eldorado, Citra, and Centennial Hops. Sounds great. It's quite nice. Satisfying. I'm going to pour mine. I'm going to pass the can over to you. Okay. So you can admire this beautiful artwork. Oh, that is gorgeous. It's 
Uh, it makes me wish it was still summertime, but without the incredible heat and humidity that we have here in South Carolina, uh, we've got a um, a lowrider, definitely an old hoopty. It's like an Eldorado or a compass, no, maybe. And it's on the beach side. Looks like West Coast two tone. Oh, it's a two tone car. Yeah, baby. I get it. I get it. Cool. All right. Well, while we enjoy this. We are going to get into the 2021 movie marathon. We're getting into the last days here of the 2021 movie marathon, especially for you because you're about to round that corner, right? Yeah, I'm at 3:58. It is the 323rd day of the year as of this recording. You're at 3:58. Yep. You're knocking on that door, dude. I um I'm still ahead of the day by about 4. I'm at 3:27. Okay. What is your first check-in going to be? I'm going to check in an interesting film. This was from 1969, and this is Goldie Hawn's first feature-length film with a speaking role. It stars her and Walter Matthau. It's called mm-hmm. Cactus Flower. Never heard of it. She's adorable, and Matthau is Matthau, and Ingrid Bergman is in this. And she, no shit. And she plays Matthau's assistant. Matthau is a... Uh, a dentist and he has Goldie Hawn as his side piece mm-hmm. and he's told Goldie Hawn that he has a wife and kids from the beginning of their relationship so she won't get attached even though he's just a swinging bachelor in the late oh, 60s he's he's playing both uh both sides of the game he's playing the inside outside game so it's really corny uh, but I really liked it. Uh, there's a record store that Goldie Hawn works in, and you would want to live in this record store. Yes. Uh, it's it's a cool film because wait wait wait, wait. what's it called again? Cactus Cactus Flower. Flower. So mm-hmm. he has to convince Ingrid Bergman to pretend to be his wife that he is in the process of divorcing, so he can be with Goldie Hawn because she won't be with him until he separates from her. And she wants to meet her. So there's this whole bunch of charades going on. And uh, it's cute. Goldie Hawn is fucking adorable. Why you should watch this film is to see Ingrid Bergman dancing in the late 60s style of white people dancing. Yes. It's ridiculous and funny. And just so we're perfectly clear, we're talking about uh, Ingrid Bergman, not Ingmar Ingmar Bergman. Bergman. (laughs) All right. Well, my first check-in is going to be number 323. It's called The Beta Test. And I had no idea what it was going to be about going in. All I knew is that it is the new film from, I think, up-and-coming director Jim Cummings. He also did uh, The Wolf of Snow Hollow and Thunder Road. Uh, Each of his movies, though, have some of... Some of his, you you can feel some of his earmarks on it, some of his tags. But I said, Jim Cummings is back with his fourth feature film that once again defies the genre genres of his previous films. This one serves more as an allegory for trust and fidelity with a not so subtle indictment of social media and like internet culture. Oh, okay. Without spoiling anything, the, this is the opening scene this man who is about to get married gets a purple envelope in the mail inviting him to a no strings attached sexual encounter at a place and then things escalate from there and he's he stars in it and directed it uh, which is the case in 
the previous films as well. And he does such a good job of somebody who's being like manically anxious, but also trying to present a coolness Yeah, because of his profession. He's a, he's an agent. Okay. Okay. It's on my list right now, yeah. but I've I've got about twenty four or twenty five on there that might some some that might need to be taken. See, off. I saw that I saw that pop up, and I read the description, and it didn't interest me. But to hear your review, I, I definitely want to check it out now. Yeah, it's good, and I think I think he's good. I'm I'm on board with what he's doing. No, is it there? Are there comedic elements to this? There are, but okay. it's dark, darkly comedic. Okay, there yes. you go. All right, cool. My next check in will be the harder they fall. I want to see this. Uh, I was just going to say, this is the Afrocentric yes. Western on Netflix. I love it. It co-stars Idris Elba and Jonathan Majors. It also has Zazie Beetz. Oh, love her. Uh, it's got Regina King. It's got Lakeith Stanfield. I also really like, like Beetz. I had a roasted beet salad last yeah, year. Yeah. This is ultra-violent. It has echoes of like a Quentin Tarantino type Western. Like a Django? Yeah, but... Uh, there and, and there are very very few white people in this cast. They're incidental to the plot. So, it is. It, it's great. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, vulgar, violent, yes, but there's some cool stylizations to the okay. western genre. If you're a western fan, you'll like it. If you're not a western fan, you'll also like it. So I think it's interesting because this you mentioned uh, Django or or Quentin Tarantino's take on a on a western and. And that was kind of a nod back to the black exploitation uh, right, westerns, right? Like the original Django, yeah. but this is kind of taking it in a different direction, right? Yeah, this has self-aware. A, yeah, very self-aware. It has a masterful soundtrack. Every entrance has a theme song or theme music that's super appropriate to what's going on. There's an homage to Chadwick Boseman in the Sweet. film on the side of one of the trains. It's uh, C. A. Boseman. Okay. Is the name of the rail company that they storm. Huh. Um, that sounds like a real railroad company, though. No, it's that they th- maybe, but no, everyone's calling it out as a, as, a, as a nod to him. I think you'll dig it. I think yeah, you'll dig I'm, it a I'm lot. Probably going to watch it right after this. My next one is Shang-Chi or Shang-Chai. Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi uh, and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, as it's been made abundantly clear, I don't know anything about the comic books that these movies are based on like a little bit of like cursory knowledge but i thought this was not just a good marvel movie but a good movie in general i, I thought that the storyline was great the uh the arcs of the the father in relationship to his children and also uh, aquafina Okay. <laughs> Wait, what's funny? You finish your part. I'm going to tag team with you because this will be my last check-in. So go ahead and say your piece. I mean, that's basically what I <laughs> okay. what I thought of it. Um, it's really cool. I uh-huh. loved it. I thought it was awesome. Was it not like the comic? It It is free of the Marvel tentpole template of being the bad guy is a carbon copy of the good guy. Okay. You have a bad guy who's not really a bad guy. He's just misled. That's cool in and of itself. I agree with you. This is a genre buster in that it's a great martial arts film. It's a great Marvel film. It's just a good movie. It it's co-stars Tony Leung as the father. Yes. Tony Leung is in the one of the greatest Chinese films ever made, In the Mood for Love. Oh, cute. And, okay. and it is a gorgeous romance. 
And one of the funniest reviews I read says, Tony Lee Young is not in the mood for loving his children. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> I thought that was beautiful. Spot on. But I hated the comic book as a kid. The comic book, okay. uh, Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, came out about the same time as the TV series Kung Fu. Oh. And it was really kind of like a ripoff. Okay. And it just did not interest me in the least. So when this film was announced, I was like, oh, great. Who gives a flying fuck about this? I, I'd be interested to find out which one actually was in the creative process first the show or the comic mm, good point dana but uh <laughs> yeah go find that out <laughs> but uh yeah this movie was a was a real treat and a surprise to how much i liked it it was really cool and i can't wait to see them show up in future marvel movies and get intertwined in the uh the whole uh, tapestry yes. of characters and the uh, mid and post credits sequences, which very are very important. Yes, to what's coming up. All right, I've got one more, and it's one that I have been waiting to see. I'm glad I got to knock it out before New Year's. It's called Last Night in Soho. This is a feature film from Edgar Wright. Uh, we talk about him all the time. British director, I call him an auteur. Uh, known, of course, for the three flavors of Cornetto trilogy, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. Uh, this one is a little bit different. It still has all the earmarks of his style. but in, And there's also winks and nods to some of his previous films like he's wont to do. Um, but it's somehow more ambitious than his other films, both visually and in terms of uh, just the layers and the messing with the space time. And uh, is it a, uh, is she hallucinating? Is she crazy? Is it drugs? What's, what's going on? Um, all of the actors were great. Matt Smith was menacing. Anya Taylor joy is really good. And the new, or the the girl who's the main character, she was also in the visit, the okay. M Night Shyamalan movie. Okay, but she's uh, she's a fully grown uh, actress and woman now. Um, McKenna something. McKenna. Oh, Thomason. Thomason, thank you. Yeah, did a really good job. Oh, uh, the um, the older woman who runs the the apartment where she rents because she gets out of the dorm is a famous actress as, as well. So it was like a, uh, a much older. Oh, woman. oh, 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 I'm sorry. I just happened to look at the cast list for this. That's uh that's uh Riggs. Um, Diana Riggs. Diana Riggs. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I thought it was great. Hey, Riggs, uh, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> another home run in my opinion. And I don't know how Edgar Wright was able to make this and the Sparks brothers documentary in the same year. What are you doing? We got one more beer. Does that have a Zia symbol on it? No, this is the another uh, new anthem beer. This one's called Lexington Queen. What's on the backside of That's it? That's also Dana's uh, moniker online. <laughs> Lexington Queen? Lexington Queen. There's nothing on the back. Uh, this hits me in all the sweet spots. This is Mosaic, Citra, and El Dorado. All right. So hold on to your dick when you try this. Okay, I will. I mean, I was already, but... What are you um what are you bringing to Friendsgiving? This. <laughs> <laughs> I, I meant food. Actually, I I'm going to smoke uh a trout. Hell yeah. And bring dude. it as kind of like an appetizer. Hell yeah. That so is like, awesome. So like just pick it pick at the trout kind of thing. Pretty sure that my lovely wife Michelle drink 
and I are going to be bringing some roasted butternut squash. Mm. Oh, that's good. This is fantastic. That's this is my new favorite. I thought my favorite was over burning ground, which was their citra. This Just one the perfect amount of haze. This one is my new fave. Nice lacing. Yeah, this one's dynamite. 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 Yeah. Dynamite. <laughs> She'll love that. Next, we're moving it along, right? Yeah. To the second part of our feature segment, the retrial. <laughs> Continued. Part two. <laughs> criminal <laughs> criminal court part two now in session. Recast. Uh the recast continued. And how could we talk about the uh miscarriage of justice movies the wrongfully accused the clear your name genre without talking about the fugitive absolutely this movie the nailed the, the it t- tv show tv show came from first 1963 60s. to yeah. 71 yeah yeah something like that and uh, you know uh, we're you mean we're talking about a movie no we're talking about the movie i thought we were recasting the tv no show. no we're gonna do the uh the, well, the shit the, my notes are fucked the early 90s movie 1994, The Fugitive, directed by Andrew Davis. Andrew, we got a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that that is uh, pretty solid. You said that you rewatched it recently and it holds up. It definitely holds yeah. up. I mean, with the exception of no cell phones. Yeah. It, I mean, it, but that's of its time. Yeah. You have to take that into account. But, yeah. There is nothing in this film that looks out of place. Nothing that you're like, well, that was bullshit. Yeah. I mean, they, they did it right. And it's a masterful job. Did you know that Fugitive got a reboot, the TV series, like in the last two years? I did not know that. It's like online somewhere. I, uh, I wonder, I wonder who they picked. Do you want to know the tagline? Sure. Go for it. A murdered wife, a one-armed man, an obsessive detective. The chase begins. I thought it was stop or Tommy Lee will shoot. <laughs> it was uh, in in the uh, Ace Ventura voice. It was the one-armed man. <laughs> <laughs> Wrongfully accused of murdering his wife, uh, Richard Kimball, played by Harrison Ford, escapes from the law in an attempt to find her killer and clear his name. Now, it should be said he wasn't planning on escaping. There was a incident involving a train and a bus. Yes. That caused him to be ejected from custody. Pursuing him is a team of U.S. Marshals led by Deputy Samuel Gerard, played by Tommy Lee Jones. And they went so far as to make a sequel of sorts or a spinoff movie called U.S. US Marshals, Marshals, starring Tommy Lee Jones. He's a determined detective who will not rest until Richard is captured. As Richard leads the team through a series of intricate chases, he discovers the secret behind his wife's death and struggles to expose the killer before it's too late. The scene where Kimball's getting away and he's in the drain pipe Mm -hmm. over the giant drop-off. pounding edge-of-your-seat shit. It is iconic. Uh, You know, I had not seen this film in so long and I still remembered... Tommy Lee Jones. I want you to search every outhouse, huh? crack house, yeah. roundhouse. I mean, yes, that fucking dialogue's great. Uh, the contemptible villain, mm-hmm. the one-armed man. I mean, there's just so much good shit in there. And then you know, in retrospect, seeing Jane Lynch pop up in the movie as yeah. as one of his colleagues, you know, that was kind of a treat. That's wild. Uh, so yeah, it's a great film and it aged very well. My favorite scene is where they're in the. Um, drain pipe at the top of the dam Mm -hmm. and Tommy Lee has him at Tommy Lee Jones, not Tommy Lee has him at gunpoint (laughs) and 
he's got his hands up and he says, I didn't kill my wife. And Tommy Lee Jones says, I don't care. <laughs> and he just falls backwards yep. off of the dam. And it's, man, that sticks with you. It's so good. It's yeah. just a great movie. Uh, all right. So uh, the roles that we're recasting are Dr. Richard Kimball, played by Harrison Ford, who was 51 at the time. We've got U.S. Deputy Marshal Samuel Gerard, played by Tommy Lee Jones, who was 47. I, I don't know why I would have thought that Tommy Lee Jones was older than Harrison Ford. I don't know why. There's no country for old men. That's why. Um, and then next we've got uh, U.S. Deputy Marshal Cosmo Renfro, played by Joe Pantoliano, Joey Pants himself. I don't know which one's a better name, Joe Pantoliano or Cosmo Renfro. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then finally we've got uh, Joran Crabbe. Joran Crabbe is how I'm choosing to pronounce it playing Dr. Charles Nichols. And so this was a uh, last minute audible substitution. Uh, we originally had the actor who played the one-armed man, uh, but you suggested that we swap this. Can yeah. you give me the logic behind that? Well, he definitely has more screen time. He's more instrumental in the plot. And spoiler alert, mm -hmm. he's the bad guy. He's the bad guy. All right. So... Starting from the top, who is your Dr. Richard Kimball? I'm quite fond of my entire cast. Okay, great. I'm with a 51-year-old actor. Um, he was in uh, the Lego movie. He was in Arrested Development. Mm -hmm. He was in BoJack Horseman. Yes. He was in all the Reese's commercials. Uh -huh. I'm with Will Arnett. Will Arnett is great. Are we going full comedy on this one? No, no, no. Oh, this is a, be a serious, serious role. role. Has he done any, any serious roles? I would have a not look counting back. lifetime. I'd have to look back. <laughs> All right, my pick is fifty-one. Now, he was also in Battlefield Earth. Oh wow! He Twice in, in one episode. He was in Titanic. He was also in The Green Mile. And I think that when I said mouse earlier for Brooks, I was conflating it with the mouse from The Green Mile, also based on a uh, book or story by Stephen King. Okay, right? Yeah, uh, I went with Barry Pepper. Barry Pepper. Barry Pepper is going to be my fugitive. Okay. I don't know if he can carry a movie, but... Hell yeah, he can. Okay. It's going to be great. Okay. Next up, we've got uh, Deputy Marshal Samuel Gerard, played by Tommy Lee Jones, who was 47. So, to say Tommy Lee Jones was grizzled mm -hmm. is an understatement. I will just say that Tommy Lee Jones was gristle. <laughs> he was. He's the part that you you love the taste of, but you just know you shouldn't eat. Right. So I'm going to go with somebody else who is all gristle. Um, he was in Star Trek. Mm -hmm. He was in Lord of the Rings. He was in Doom. And he was in Dread. It's Will the Butcher. I went with Carl Urban. Oh, okay. Interesting. You think that Carl Urban is grizzled? Oh God, yeah! If in in uh, in uh, what you call it? What's the hero show on Amazon that he's in? The Boys. The Boys. He's grizzled. Well, my actor is forty-seven now. He's in Take Shelter, and I see your I see your Urban, and I'm going to raise you uh, an actor who was also in The Shape of Water and Nocturnal Animals. His name is Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon is my grizzled. US I can see Marshall. that. Yeah. Michael Shannon would be great. You know, talking about conflating things, always conflate Michael Shannon and Clancy Brown. No shit. Yeah. A lot of times. Hmm. Yeah. 
They're both equally menacing in my mind. Okay, that's fair. Uh, next up, we've got Cosmo Renfro, uh, the great Joey Pants, wearing a what's obviously his own hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and who was your pick for this, Sean? I went the forty-three-year-old actor. He was in Jurassic World, not him. He was in uh, Safety Not Guaranteed. He was in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. And possibly the next one, uh, he was also in New Girl. I went with Jake Johnson. I like Jake Johnson. My Joey Pants is 42 now as well. He was in Eye in the Sky, Central Intelligence, and Need for Speed. He is the third Paul brother, Aaron Paul. Okay, yeah, that works. He's going to be boxing Deron Williams this weekend. (laughs) That totally works, though. (laughs) <laughs> uh i think so too i think it's actually kind of kind of weird how much that works we got one more and this is the one that i really uh struggled with uh jaron jaron crabbe um <laughs> joran krabappel <laughs> as dr charles nichols yep and uh i'm interested to see where you went he is a dutch actor correct yeah okay I was a 52-year-old actor for this, and uh, we were buttering Dana up earlier, so this mm-hmm. is apologies to Dana. Apologies. Uh, I'm with an actor who was in Law Abiding Citizen, Phantom of the Opera, 300, and The Bounty Hunter. I went with Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler. Okay. 300 and The Bounty Hunter. That would be a great reality TV show with Gerard Butler and Dog the Bounty Hunter. Yeah. By the way, I have a bonus pick uh, because of my Will Arnett pick for yes. uh, for for uh, Kimball. Yes. I went with for the one-armed man, Tony Hale. Tony Hale. Yes. I recently <laughs> recast him. I'm a monster. <laughs> yes. Oh, goodness gracious. All right. Well, I, like I said, I struggled with my pick. Um and I'm like looking for my paper notes as I hear you shuffling yours. I've gone green with my notes. No, my printer broke. Uh, so I didn't pick a, a Dutch actor. I picked a Swedish actor. And he is in, he's also 48. He's in a movie called Julie, Silent Diplomacy, and the Carlson Brothers. His name is Bjorn Bengtsson. Bjorn Benson. Oh man, I know him. I've got his poster on my wall. You know exactly who he is, right? <laughs> I totally know who you're talking about. I think he could pull it off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, the fugitive. Don't be a fugitive from this movie. You need to search every outhouse, shit house, barn house. Those are all the same things. Yeah, pretty uh, much. Uh, dog house, tiny house. <laughs> <laughs> Outhouse, cat house, <laughs> whore house. Yes. Uh, to find this movie and watch it along I, with I Shawshank. These are two yeah. awesome movies that really hold up yeah, yeah. from think, the early 90s. I think Fugitive's on Prime even. so Okay. There's no reason not to watch yeah. it. All right. Well, that being said, I do want to introduce you to this bonus segment. Hit it. Uh, it is a battle royale between... Three figures who may have been the victim of miscarriages of justice. They may need to clear their name because they might be wrongfully accused. Okay. I'm talking about the aforementioned Dr. Richard Kimball versus 
Dr. Roger Rabbit versus Amanda Knox. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, um, okay. I know that Roger didn't do it. I know that Kimball didn't do it. I'm not so sure about Knox. Really? Even after watching the documentary? I've never seen the documentary. Oh, okay. It's pretty good. Um, and it's on the list of wrongfully accused. But they here. but they got to they got to duke it out, right? Mm-hmm. They've got to go at it. Yeah, well she's also um she's suing Matt Damon's production company because his new movie is very Oh yeah. very much inspired by her case. Tough titty. Um, kitty. I'm I'm going to have to go with Roger Rabbit because he's got, you know, sentient bullets and mm-hmm. giant hammers mm-hmm. and he could paint a portal hole beneath them and they'd fall through it various cartoon uh implements so roger rabbit i would also have to agree with you with roger rabbit um just by going by this lineup we've got a fictional character a fictional character who is a cartoon and then an actual person and we all know that actual people don't stand a chance no against the fictional characters of our favorite movies. All right. So uh, I want to thank you, sir, for doing everything that you do for uh, getting us all set up and ready to rock and roll each week. And is there anything you want to plug? I'm going to plug trying new things, trying new things, because tomorrow we're going to try something new. We're doing a, 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 an investigation. No, we're going to do uh, a thing called clued up. Clued up. It's going to be downtown Florence. We're going to be using our smartphone to get clues and we're going to try to solve a mystery, a crime. Uh, if some of these clues aren't blue, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> Me too. But uh, it's going to be something different and something new for us to try. Yeah. I feel like we're probably going to solve it immediately and then just kind of fuck off for the rest of the time. Which is fine, yeah. Uh, also, do you know what next week's episode is? Well, we're doing a watch party. It's a watch party. It's watch party number seven, which means it's back around to me. It's your turn. First, we did Buckaroo Bonsai. Yep. Then we did Six String Samurai. Yep. Now we're talking The Golden Child, starring Eddie Murphy. Uh, the golden child i loved this movie when i was a kid except for the part where there's blood in the rice it, like magically there's blood in it. the rice is maggots it's it's gross but you'll see i really want to know how well this holds up but i've not seen this movie so this ever. will be new okay i i'm sure i mean i was aware of it and i'm sure i've seen pieces of it but i've never seen well this film. it's 1986 and eddie murphy it's a good year i hear yeah it is 1986 it was it was pretty decent I was six. Uh, Eddie Murphy is at the height of his powers. He can basically call the shots. Yeah, as seen by him producing a fucking music album. Here's your question. This director was Eddie Murphy's first choice for the film because in 1986, he had that kind of juice. But he turned it down after Murphy kept him waiting in a meeting for hours. Excuse me, for four hours. Who was that director? Four hour. Um, Let me give you a hint. The other person who was considered for this role, who was also at the height of their power, was Mel Gibson. And they were going to make it a straight up adventure movie. When Eddie Murphy came on board, they reworked it as a comedy. Roger Zemeckis. It is George Miller. George Miller. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Wow. Four hours. 
but that movie is only an hour and a half. So I think we'll be just fine, guys. Perfect. And we do want to plug the podcast itself. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on all of your podcatcher apps. I do want to remind people that there is no trivia this coming week. We are off on trivia for Thanksgiving. There will be no trivia on this upcoming Wednesday. Uh, Also, you can find this podcast online on podbean.com. Just search for Cinema Chop Shop on there. We are at Cinema Chop Shop on Twitter. We are slash Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook. We are Cinema Chop Shop at gmail.com for emails. Instagram, we are at Cinema Chop Shop. Also Cinema Chop Shop on Untapped. And the Cinema Chop Shop podcast on YouTube. Finally, farewell to you, the listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Please remember to get that booster like Sean and I will on Monday. And otherwise you better be social distancing and wearing a mask. And please remember to watch chop retrofit case dismissed. <laughs>